What's going on, podcast people? This is the Zero to Hear podcast. I am your host, Denny Duma. On tonight's podcast, purebred entrepreneur, Giordano Ferrari, a very, very fun dude to connect with. He currently runs three businesses, started his first when he was 19, a mechanical company. He now runs a commercial property management business, uh, and he has built a separate software business off of the property management business to make his company, his employees more efficient. This is a super smart, hardworking dude, very old school mentality, uh, really just has that grind attitude. Uh, ton. This guy works a ton of hours. He is a very inspirational dude just by watching his example. We talk a little bit about leadership and his philosophy in terms of coaching and building employees. Uh, One of the things he believes in is that everyone's motivated a little bit differently. So getting to know employees and um, putting them in situations where they are going to succeed is super important. Uh, He is a very structured dude, goes to bed every night at 9am, wakes up at 4.30am, which to me seems a bit ridiculous but absolutely loves those morning hours because nobody bothers him and he gets a ton done. This is a really fun podcast. If you listen to this and are not motivated, you probably don't have a pulse. Giordano is a a very, very uh, sweet dude. He is a very hardworking entrepreneur and I absolutely love connecting with him. Give it a listen. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, If you love what you're hearing, hit subscribe and leave us a review. Gio, what's going on, brother? Not much. Dude, I'm pumped. Yeah? You know why? I secretly admire you. That's Thank not a joke. Much. Don't laugh at me. Uh, you're an interesting dude. Thank you. That's why I'm kind of excited to just pick your brain a little bit tonight. Sure. The world is full of, especially with social media, is full of people faking it. Do you even use social media? No. I'm the furthest thing from it. I know. That's why I love you. Yeah. Gio is literally the definition of a doer. Carl, I don't know if you know him very well, but you're going to get to know him a little bit in the next hour or so. Beautiful. I like the social media start already. I know. What is your honest opinion about social media? I think it's a phenomenal tool if used correctly. Right? Um, Just in particular, it. uh, I know we've had this discussion several times Mm -hmm. where it can open up a whole different avenue Mm -hmm. business-wise. But I'm just not the type of person that I just feel I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I always remember they would used to say, you know, in business, you never tell people how much money you make and what your next move is. And I'm just a very firm believer of that. I grind to stay hidden. I grind to hide behind the shadows and just live my life how I want to live. Right. And, you know, social media has its, like I said, it's good, good and it's bad. And, um, for me, I just don't have any. I just don't have any uh, stride drive to be involved in it, be involved in that world, right? I just find that everything I look on there is just fake, and uh, just meant to portray an image that ninety percent of the time isn't true. Can we explore this a little bit? Of course. 
I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but at the you started off the conversation saying you you can see the potential value in it. Yes. For the business world. Yes. Why not explore that? Or is that a down the road thing that is just like because for, for me, I see so much value in terms of scale of yes. social media, right? Yep. The opportunity to reach more people's eyes is that's the best tool out there currently. Yep. I guess the issue is in what the industry that I'm in, we're still very archaic. Okay. So a lot of it's word of mouth. So a lot of my potential clients are on social media, but for a social aspect, not necessarily a business. Mm-hmm. I deal with individuals who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. right? And will, won't hire me because I have a fancy website or a fancy social media presence or because I post 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. They're going to hire me because I provide results. I walk in with a business idea and I implement it and I get shit done. Mm-hmm. That's as basic as it is and what I do. I think in right. any business, though, that is the thing. What gets deals done is um, experience, uh, work ethic, providing value. But what social media does that I haven't found another tool even close to is uh, putting you in front of more people. Well, because you're a brand. The reach is totally. You're a brand. Totally. And that's the best way, best tool we have today to get your brand out there, hmm. right? So I, that's why I agree with you in that sense. It's a brilliant way to get the brand out. You don't see yourself as a brand? Uh, not yet. Not yet? Not Do yet. you think eventually it's going to go towards that way? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. With my new endeavor, if I can prove that I can be the leader in this particular field, then I can definitely see myself being a brand. And a lot of my clients are reoccurring, right? I, I, I land a new client for a particular reason. And then I typically stay with that client. Oh, I would, I hope forever. So I'm not, it's different, right? When you're industry, you're constantly needing to look for new clients, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So it's the more you're on social media, the more people that see you, the more potential clients you have. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas for me, I just, and again, I've never spent too much time diving into it, but I just see cost benefit for me right now. doesn't work in my favor for how much time I would need to spend, how much I would need to post the work, put in i don't yet see a return on that you know gary v right uh not really a little bit man you've told me about him you're like one of my like i said at the beginning i admire your work ethic and like how dedicated you are to building businesses it's it's exciting and it pushes me when i see young people like you because there's not a lot of us i don't think no out there right now no especially in greater vancouver greater vancouver is fucking soft I've dealt with a lot of people who talked the talk, but when it came time to walk, they always fell flat on their face. That's what I like about you is you don't talk at all. And that's, yeah. <laughs> and that's why me and social media don't really that's go That's why well. I call you a doer. You just yeah. do shit. Yeah. And that's the thing for me. I was never, I'm not, I'm not loud, right? I'm not the person in the room saying I make this amount of money or I do this or I do that. I don't need that validation. And again, it comes to just for me, the psychological, a lot of people, the psyche, a lot of people do things just to get validation from other people. Mm-hmm. I'm mentally strong enough that I don't need that. So I don't actively look for it. Right? Do you ever have young entrepreneurs or people just kind of ask you to go for coffee and pick your brain about yes. your experience? Yes. Do you see any value in scaling that information? So, I do. So I do. because my answer to questions like this 
three years ago was the exact same as yours. Okay. Is, I don't really care if someone thinks I'm doing well or not. Doesn't really matter to me. But then I got to a point in my career where people were consistent, young people in the real estate industry were consistently reaching out to me, asking to go for coffee, say, what was your first year like? How do I get off the ground? Okay. How do I meet new people? And it got to a point where it was like two, three, four times a month. And so my thought was like, how do I scale these meetings to not be one-on-one and be one to a thousand, one to 2000. Okay. So that was part of the reason for the podcast is to talk to people like you and other entrepreneurial type people to just share experience so that hundreds, thousands of people can listen at one time rather than me spending one-on-one conversations with people. Okay. Do you see value in that? Yes, I do. That I see value. Because I think you're, and we'll dive into the mindset a little bit, but I think your mindset and your work ethic is extremely unique. And I think most young people looking to get into self-employment out there right now have no clue what it actually takes no. on a day-to-day basis. No. Over a five-year period, how many hours you're actually putting in, how shitty most of the hours are, people don't understand. No. Exactly. So that's where I see a lot of value in terms of sharing the good and the bad in terms of what it actually takes to get off the ground. And I 100% agree. I think we may be able to get this guy to start an Instagram page. Is that, Ooh, is that the goal of the podcast? <laughs> I, can't, I can't make any promises. Carl, can you start thinking of some names while we keep going here? Um, can we dive into a little bit about like where, where does that come from? Where, where does this drive come from? You, maybe a little bit about your background. Graduated high school, went to BCIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I uh, went to, I was in the union for uh, plumbing. So I went to our union school in Delta. Okay. Yeah. Got a plumbing ticket? Yes. Then started a business? Yes. Actually, I had a business since I was 18. See why I like this guy, Carl? No, I get it. <laughs> What'd you have at 18? I did anything I could for yeah, money. Always, yeah. <laughs> I cut grass. I painted. Paper route? Yeah. Anything that somebody wanted to pay me a dollar for, I did. When did that start? Um... And where's it come from? Because you grew up in a, like a, I don't guess, like a normal middle-class family in Burnaby, but like you were not hard done by at all, right? No, no. I mean, uh, my family did go through, um, we did go through a crisis that definitely changed um, my outlook on life and essentially my whole path moving forward, right? Mm. Um, I started as a young age working with my grandfather and- he taught me life skills, as I would call it, right? He taught me how to treat other people, how to be presentable, how to, you know, um, what's the saying? Fake it till you make it, right? He always told me that, you know, there's never a problem that can't be solved in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. So he taught me these lessons very early on. For that, I'm extremely grateful. Um, but as we got older, I myself dealt with a little bit of depression in the sense that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Right. I'm That's not so common to you. Yeah. Cause I went through the exact same shit. Yeah. Because here I am in high school and you know, I was overweight in high school. I had a lot of friends, but I never fit in in the sense that I think differently than most people. So I never really felt that school fitted in. Like I've never fit in in school. It just wasn't for me. I wasn't that type of learner nor was that that type of person i was never book smart as you would describe it Mm -hmm. so i got a little depressed because i never really knew what i wanted to do i just was never pushed in high school 
right? And I was never I was never given a chance to see what life could be like outside what I call the bubble. Because coming from a a middle a middle class family, uh to some degree you're you're sheltered. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't really know what life is. You don't know what it's like to fall on your ass and have no choice but to look internally and get off your ass and push forward. And through what my family went through, I learned that it was up to me, that I was ultimately the one that could create my future. And when I graduated from high school and I realized that I was in power, that I could do that, my life changed. And that's what pushed me forward, was when I realized that I had the power. So you're, you're a problem solver. Yes. Instead of just learning and regurgitating. Yes. And it took me even, took me up to about four years ago to realize that's truly what I was. Right? So, what, so you're the type of guy, like, even if you don't know the answer, you'll put everything towards figuring it yes. out. Yeah. What's the motivating factors behind the work ethic? Because for me, when you mentioned school and that it wasn't really your thing, it was never my thing. And the first thing that popped into my head is there's no reward. So whether you get 83 on a test, 94, 71. Doesn't matter. No one gives a shit, right? No. And that's how I felt uh, working at the bank for six months. That was a good time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember not, just, Do you remember anything from social uh, social studies, grade 11? I remember like the times that I said something stupid in class that got a laugh. So there you go, right? Mm. It's exactly what you're talking about. What do you... You know what the first thing that pops into my mind? I think it was Geo... I think it was Zavo that was yeah. teaching. Maybe it was social studies. Geo 11. Was it Geo 11? Might have been. And he, he asked the question, he's like, does anyone know what cultural diversity is? <laughs> and I put up my hand and I say, uh, <laughs> I believe it was an old wooden ship used during the Civil War era. And he's like, he looks straight at me. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> That was an Anchorman joke if yeah. anyone didn't get it. No, I got it. that. I got that That's one. Hilarious. <laughs> For, literally, that was all I remember. Uh, do I remember anything from social studies? No. Exactly. Why, I remember, to your point exactly, right? Yeah. Why doesn't, why doesn't school prepare us for real life? Because the system was built in, what, 1920? But, like, we don't have any financial courses or anything. Like, who, like no one knows what a mortgage is. No one knows right? how to pay their taxes. Exactly. We, 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 I laugh about it all the time. But I actually, I used to think it was a curse. Now I look at it as a gift because for people like us, it gives us an advantage because now so many people are so for, so much further behind the eight ball. So if you do have the motivation, it'll be that much further ahead, right? I don't want to make people mad, but at the same time, I don't really care. It's a point of pride for me that I do not have a university degree. And I will never go back. It doesn't mean anything. It's a piece of paper, people. But, okay, as a business person yes. who now runs three businesses, you have to give some credit to the system that universities have built. It's a phenomenal business structure, right? Oh, 100%. We provide the you endowment nothing, of, uh, you give us 40 grand a year. Yeah. The endowment for uh, Harvard is how many billions? Oh my Ridiculous God. Ridiculous amount, right? Brilliant. Brilliant. And then you graduate after four years, and then what? Then you struggle to get an entry level job. Yeah. Well, minimum yeah, yeah, wage. Exactly. Yeah. Paying off. Who student. announced recently? Someone, Google or Apple or Amazon or something like that, just said something like, uh, "We no longer require 
university degrees for applicants or something. That was for the NBA, I think. It was uh, for something to do with a talent scout or something like that. Let me double check. No, no, no. One of the big companies, I think it was maybe Google. Really? Google or Apple. Something like that. Anyway, I saw a Facebook article on it. I can't remember who it was. Anyway. Um, Talk about the motivation? Yeah. Thank you for bringing us back there. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Again, something I learned just in the last couple of years is, especially what I do, I would consider it art. Right? I'm expressing myself through my work. And that's the motivation for me. It's not money. I'm a very firm believer that I think if you do anything for money, you've already failed and you won't be successful at it. When did that switch? Because you said as a kid, you would do anything for a dollar. Correct. When I realized that even moving forward, that although I was making money, I wasn't happy. Right? I wasn't excited to get up every day. Right? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to work when I did things just for money. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I, I would study it. I would, I would look and understand what made me happy about the work I did. And it was always the finished product. So then I, di- I dove into that and I would try to understand why. Why is it the finished product? What is it that psychologically motivates me when I'm looking at it? And it, uh, like I said, it was the realization that what I was creating was art, right? And the better way I could solve a problem, right? the more beautiful the art was. And that was my motivation, right? So how could I best solve this problem? What can I think of that nobody else can think of to solve this problem? And that's what I found was motivational for me and still is. It's interesting as a kid, when you have nothing, you think money is the answer. Exactly. And then once you start finding a little bit of success, making a little bit more money than you even thought you was even possible... It goes to, for me, it went to a different thing. It went to freedom. It went to, um, I like the grind. I like the process of running a business. I like the day-to-day super hard stuff that most people aren't willing to do. I like the 14, 16-hour days. Most people get home at 5 o'clock, make dinner, sit in front of the TV for four hours, and then go to bed. I like sitting on my sofa, answering emails, writing contracts at 2 a.m., Makes me excited. Um, The freedom that a little bit of money can bring was more exciting for me than the actual money. And so people have asked me, like, what's the dollar figure? What are you looking to, like, what are you looking to do? Like, when is is it enough? Yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, I don't know if it's a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. $10 million. You'll get to a million dollars and you want to keep going. It's not going to stop. Yeah. I guess if your lifestyle changes a little bit, but it's more just the freedom. It's like waking up, getting to do what you want to do every day. And for me, I love work. Work But even though you're working 16 hours, if you truly love what you do, you don't ever really feel like you're forced to do it. Right. It's not work, right? It's it's building. Yeah, exactly. It's the process that's fun for me. And when you're sitting there at 6 p.m. writing emails, you're, you're building, you're continuing to build brick by brick that empire. And that's, that's key, right? Where are you in your empire? I'm still at the foundation. <laughs> still have a long way to go. I use this analogy that uh, if my life is a hundred step ladder, I'm on step like three. Nice. I'm probably on two, maybe <laughs> three, maybe three. I just feel like we have so much time to go. And I feel yes. like it's really just been like the last five to seven years that I've like figured myself out and I'm now in the position that I want to be in and yep. to keep growing. 
I remember I asked you last time we uh, we had uh, whiskey. I asked you what uh, if you were studying a lot of the startups in your industry, and I was curious because I wanted to see where your vision was mm-hmm. five, ten years from now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm curious, has it changed? Have you? What do you mean startups? Like, there's uh, quite a few startups getting into the real estate industry, as I would call it, trying mm-hmm. to change the way it's done, mm-hmm. right? So do you study them? Do you look at the next five, 10 years of your industry and how you're going to adapt to that? I probably haven't done as much as I should. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think I'm good nor want to take a chance on being a speculator. So I don't want to guess what the next thing is. Okay. I'll just jump on board when it's there. Like okay. I'm not going to create the next VR. I'm not that smart. I'm good at working really hard. Yep. I am not that intelligent, I don't think. That's just honest. I don't know. I'm not going to create a system or an app that is going to completely change the industry. I understand who I am. That's not me. Half the battle. Most people are afraid to do that. If a new technology comes out that allows you to show properties online better than they are now, you'll be all over it. I'm in. I will invest a shit ton of money in in using that technology (laughs) to show properties. Yeah, as a tool. Right? So that's a good question though, in terms of like thinking long-term. Exactly. You have to be able to, uh, most people I meet who want to get into a business are thinking five years ago when they get into a business mm-hmm. and you need to be thinking five, 10 years ahead. What's going to, cause essentially we have to look at every industry is going to change to some degree. Mm-hmm. And if you're not thinking five, 10 years ahead, well then I don't think you might have a little bit of success, but you won't be successful long-term. In anything you do, right? Do you think it's a fine line, though, in terms of, um, like, guessing? So if you're talking about thinking 10 years ahead, we're not 10 years ahead. Yep. So, well, it's a hard thing to answer, because I like working in present. Okay. I know what is working right now. I don't know what's going to be working in five years from now in real estate, or 10 years, or 35 years. See, see, to some degree, at some point, I disagree, because do you have shortfalls or do you have pitfalls in your day-to-day interactions with your clients like is there certain aspects yeah is there certain aspects where you know you find that you're constantly sending your clients information that you wish could have been at their fingertips um yeah but the technology doesn't exist that makes it easier for them but my point is then if that's a pitfall or if that's a shortfall in your day-to-day interactions that will become the future because that's a problem that you can see in the now, in the present, right? Agree. That's how you have to think. You got to change your mindset to look at those specific examples. And instead of trying to guess at the future, that's your answer. Can't look at what, what they will make. You have to look at what problems I have now and know that someone will create something to fix that problem. But then you get into like the <clears throat> using crypto for an, as an example. Okay. What's the next solution? So we know that online currency is going to be a thing yes. down the road. It's continuing to blow up. Yep. But in terms of like selecting something to use to solve that problem, you're guessing. Right? Like if I invest $100,000 in Bitcoin or yeah. Ethereum or whatever tomorrow, yep. I'm just guessing that that's the next one that works. Right? Correct. You're speculating that. But what, but I guess for me, the way I, and I, I'm not well-versed in any of this, 
I look at not essentially the cryptocurrency, but I look at the blockchain as the answer, not the cryptocurrency. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe that, like, I'm a very firm believer that investing in something, you need to invest in an actual asset, something that's tangible. To me, Bitcoin isn't, in my opinion. Like, it's like a number. It's like so, that yeah. piece of paper, You're right? looking for something that will be useful in everyday exactly. life. Exactly. So yeah. what, problem, what problem does cryptocurrency currently solve? Do either of you guys know? Just decentralizes currency, right? Mm-hmm. But do Is we, that the but, biggest thing? And but, just the, the ledger, being able to track everything? But that's right. blockchain. That's, that's right. not cryptocurrency. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So my point is, does anyone really know what the central bank does for, for monetary policies? <laughs> You're what, asking the wrong guy. Have have no clue. No. <laughs> but that's my point, though. If you don't understand what the problem right. cryptocurrency is trying to solve, right. then you are guessing. Like, right. what, what's given its value? Exactly. What is it doing? So, okay, it's decentralizing every central, uh, there's, there's someone overseeing a currency. But does anyone know why that's good or bad? And if you don't study that, well, then you are guessing. So I look at that as the, the, the true, the, the technology that's solving the problem is Bitcoin. Or is not Bitcoin, sorry. Um, blockchain. Blockchain. Because I read an article, Walmart now can determine if there's food poisoning from any one of its food sources. Right, like right away. It can yeah. determine within hours when it would take days, if mm-hmm. not months, to source the farm that provided that or the whatever that produce mm-hmm. or that food to me that solves the problem that's why you can bet that blockchain will become the future that's how you need to look at it right mm-hmm. can't look at it as oh cryptocurrency's hot <clears throat> you know let me see which one i can buy for 10 cents and hope it turns into five dollars mm-hmm. right right and that's what most people don't want to do they don't want to understand the root cause of things so for you, so you're talking more about being ahead of the curve than going with it. Yeah, not necessarily. Like the way I look at, it, especially my industry, my industry is very archaic. <clears throat> so so is real estate. So, but that's my point. So yeah. okay, so <laughs> I look at it as I have day to day interactions with my clients. My clients expect X from me. I deliver it. What's causing me to not increase the efficiency of how I deliver that? Or what can make me grow my business exponentially with reducing my workload? Those are all these questions that I ask. So I'll study how do we do maintenance for one of our clients. We send a guy, we, and I, I break it down to the most basic points, and I'll walk through it. My technician of mine gets in his vehicle, drives there, does this, this, and this to the machine. And I'll break down every single step he does to the most basic aspect of it and then i'll determine okay what can i what can i cut what can i make more efficient and then i'll figure out look these are the problems what can what can streamline that Mm -hmm. and then that's what will become the future right but you have to break it down so then you're looking to create something that changes the efficiency yes i'm i'm looking to change my industry for the better right? <clears throat> my industry's had its downfalls, right? The way that we do certain things to me, like I love what I do. And so when I find that someone's trying to cheat the system, I get, I get pissed off because I feel like they're in some way form cheating me. So to me, that's a motivation, a motivational factor to think of how can I eliminate that? How can I eliminate the human bias? How can I take this gentleman or this person trying to do this and just eliminating from the equation how can i make it so he can't do that and those are the type of questions i ask myself on a daily basis 
And then, like I said, it's, I'm same way as you in the present, but I'm yet thinking five years ahead Mm -hmm. and how will these problems be solved and how can I be a part of the solution to those problems? Right. Agree. Um, Looking at it from our perspective though, in the real estate world, we, I think it's a little bit different. Okay. How come? So I'm not a technology company, nor do I think I want to be a technology company. Okay. I think we are building a brand. Okay. And so our goals for building brand are exposure. Okay. Making more people know who we are. And the day-to-day stuff is marketing better online than anyone else in Greater Vancouver. Okay. But what, what tools are you using to do that? It's a lot of social, it's everything online. So it's a lot of social media. Which didn't exist 10 years ago. Totally. But that's my point. But but what I'm saying is, is if something is going to be the next thing in five years, like five years ago, Instagram ads. I have a list here. We're not a thing, right? Yeah. So if I was to run Instagram ads for properties five years ago, they'd fall flat. It would be a waste of money. Right. But today, Instagram ads are successful if done creatively. I guess the point I'm trying to make is think five years ago when you were, <clears throat> when you were creating flyers, you had to say to yourself, like, what a fucking joke. Yep. I'm making flyers. I'm folding them, putting in envelopes, putting a stamp on and mailing them out. Hey, I did a fucking shit ton of that. But my <laughs> point is think how, like, break it down. How many can you do in a day? 500? 300? Yeah. I don't know. How many? 500? 500 is a pretty good aggressive day. Okay. Like you're going for a run. Okay. <laughs> so if you look at that, as a problem in your industry. Totally. Right? If you could have thought, holy shit, how can I get my message out to a million people? You don't necessarily have to know the answer, but if you can see it coming, right? If you can say within five, 10 years, hopefully they make a tool that allows me to reach a million people, Mm. then you're going to look on the horizon for a product that does that, a tool that does that. And when that tool comes along, you're going to implement it. But instead, if you think, nope, the way it's always been done i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna hire a second person maybe i can do a thousand flyers a day <laughs> right so if you have that type of thinking how much further are you ever going to get ahead mm-hmm. and that's my point is you have to change the way you think about try not necessarily predicting the future but setting yourself up to ride it it takes us right back to problem solving and efficiency geo's pretty good at that <laughs> can you give a brief intro to like what you do for a living the um, couple businesses that you're running or yeah three. so one of the companies that i run is a mechanical company so we do what we call tenant improvements and uh essentially high-rise downtown tenant moves out rbc moves out bank of montreal is moving in we will facilitate the mechanical upgrade to that new tenant right um, then we do a little bit of service. So we do quite a bit of work for companies like white spot. We do a lot of their plumbing service, gas service, stuff like that. Just the generic mechanical type work. Uh, another company is we do facility operations and maintenance. So we work with companies who aren't large enough to have in-house staff do all of their operations and maintenance. So we'll work for, for instance, we work with budget rent a car center. Mm-hmm. And we, well, before they were sold, we used to look after all of their infrastructure at the YVR airport. So we do maintenance, service, 
things like that. And then the third company that I opened is essentially doing exactly what we've been talking about, trying to streamline those. So if we were to come to budget and do the maintenance, we'll, we'll show up every two to three months and complete a series of tasks. Clean this, do this, change that, so on and so forth. We'll have a long list. We'll be there for a day, two days doing this maintenance. So what this new company is trying to do is trying to connect sensors to the machine. So instead of us going there preventatively, we can predict when we need to go. So I might not necessarily need to go there every three months. Maybe I need to go every six months. So you're not wasting man hours sending people over just to take a look. Exactly. Right. And then plus I can validate everything. So instead of just saying, okay, I'll be there every three months, I'll say I'll only go when I need it. And I'll show them, I'll show them the vital signs of that machinery or their operation. And I'll show them that, look, you got a vacuum system. The vacuum system typically runs at 98% efficiency, right? You know, it's been three months. It's now running at 89. It needs maintenance. And eventually what I hope to do is be able to put a cost to that, to show them that by you running at 89, you lose X amount of dollars or maybe a percentage of efficiency. Mm. And then again, prove to them that, look, this is what we can offer you. We can come in here and validate every piece of work that we do. We can show you the true metrics of everything. Because it's like in business, once you want to know how many people read your flyers, you yeah. get that through Instagram, I believe, right? Like, don't, do you know how you many You get people, metrics through Instagram. Right? You get, yeah, like when you do paid for ads, you get metrics on how many people looked at them, how many people watched the video for three seconds, 10 seconds, whatever. Yeah. So then now you can tailor it. So let's say you put out a video and it's shit and you get five people who watched it. You're never going to make a video that looks like that again, right? Exactly. But if you get a million people who like your video, you're going to copy that until you suck it dry, right? <laughs> totally. So it's the same way we work, right? If we can show them, because right now nobody does that, right? To, to a lot of these companies, everyone's the same. I'm just hiring a service and I expect that every company, they're painting them with the same brush to provide that, that level of service, right? So if I could prove to them, look, this is what we do. When we do do the maintenance, look at your increase in efficiency. And if you can put that into numbers, who knows how much you can be valued, right? What do you, what's your first thought? And I want this to be extremely unfiltered. When you hear the term work-life balance. That's a tough question. (laughs) (laughs) What do I think when I hear that? Um, depends what life you want to live, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I've chosen to make, I've chosen a life that I wouldn't trade for anything. I've often pondered the question of, if I was given a million bucks, what would I do? And uh, I've met a lot of people who would be like, oh, I'd be on a beach sipping pina coladas right now. Invest the shit out of it. Right? Me? I'd be like, I probably wouldn't change a single fucking thing mm-hmm. that I do tomorrow. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it comes down to that. What life do you want to live? Right? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to be able to go with your friends every night? If so, you need to tailor whatever it is you want to do to that. So to me, work-life balance, if I describe it, I would say what I choose to do is a lifestyle, not a work-life balance because I don't ever have one. I live a lifestyle that I choose to live. And it just involves me breathing air into all of my companies 20 hours a day. Do you ever get burnt out? Yes. So what do you do then? 
uh, it's taken me a long time to realize how to overcome that. It's a fun learning process. It though, is. Because I'm the exact same. I'm not going to lie. For quite a, not quite a few years. For a year or two, I turned to alcohol. That was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Not that I ever abused it, but I just came to the point that I was drinking too much. Uh, for me, it's uh, routine. I wake up at a ridiculous time every morning. I, let's talk about that. Okay. Let's go into detail about that. <laughs> okay. Because for a lot of people listening, again, getting into self-employment, yeah. a lot of people don't understand what it takes. No. They've never had a role model, a parent, a friend that has been self-employed that has started a successful business. So this might be a wake-up call for some people because I have a slight idea. I think we've talked about this before. Briefly. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go into detail. What is your day? What does a normal day for you look like? I wake up at 4.30. Yeah. And I'm in the office by 4.45, 5 o'clock at the latest. I get pissed off if I'm in the office later than 5. Pound through two hours, two and a half hours of work. And what it does for me is psychologically, I feel like I've already done eight hours of work by 7, 8 o'clock. Totally. And it changes my whole outlook on the rest of the day. What do you like so much about the mornings? I'm incredibly sharp. Just, I can, I'm just, I feel that I'm at least double as focused as I am at the end of the day. I just, I, the amount of phone calls that I deal with, emails, issues, problems, is very taxing. Extremely taxing. So in the morning... Uh, I'm just incredibly sharp and I just feel that I can get so much more accomplished than at the end of the day, right? After those couple hours of work, then what? Out in the field for the rest of the day, right? Um, my specialty is dealing with people. I have a very good knack for just being a leader, being able to look at an individual and find out how they work and how to motivate them, Right. So I'm just very good at making the team function how I want a team to function. So I'll be out in the field uh, looking at problems, coming up with solutions, dealing with all the different projects. And then I usually like to be back in the office around four or five o'clock. And then I'll work till six, seven, eight, depending on how I feel. Do you have any, talking about motivating people, employees, do you have any, um, questions, key things that you look for, ask people, how do you understand what motivates them? Because I think that's a big thing. It is. Is a lot of employers treat every employee the exact same. Yes. They assume that their salary is important to them. They assume that their work uh, schedule is important to them. But I think everyone has different motivators. I feel that can't be further from the truth. Exactly. Right? I know for my employees, their salary isn't meaningless, but it doesn't mean as much to them as the company culture, mm-hmm. the environment that they're in, right? So for my construction crew, we run more of a boys club type of mentality, type of culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might think that's wrong, but that's just the way we all tick. That's just who we are as individuals, mm-hmm. right? Um, for for trying to figure out what motivates them, it's it's experimenting. It's, it's not being afraid to fail. So it's being putting somebody in a specific situation and seeing how they react to it, looking what the outcome is, right? And constantly tweaking that. So I'll put an employee of mine in what I know is a difficult situation and I'll see how they react. And then I'll know, okay, this isn't meant for them. And I'll tailor, um, I'll tailor their jobs more specifically to what I know they can handle. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of companies in my industry will just get a project. Any project doesn't matter. I actually only get projects that I know that my team can handle. Right? So, you know, for you in real estate, I don't know if it's the same, but <clears throat> if you guys couldn't handle six million dollar house, like I don't know if you guys just choose to list any house, right? But that's the way I would try to make a comparison is mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, my team is not tailored to the $6 million homes. None of them speak Chinese, so on and so forth, going down the list. Mm-hmm. I would figure out what we're good at and I would go out and find listings that suited my team. Mm-hmm. And I would turn down houses that didn't or properties that didn't. Totally. Right? Like for us specifically, all of our marketing is tailored towards like who we are and what we're good at. Yeah. Um. Would we turn down big listings? No, because we feel like we market better than any most teams locally. Okay. Um, but we will turn down listings if there's unrealistic expectations. So I steer more towards that side in terms of okay. like, can we deliver what you're wanting? If you want $6 million, but your property's worth three and a half, probably not going to take the listing. If it's worth six million dollars and you want six million dollars, yeah, we're gonna take the fucking listing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you, for for us, it's a little different, right? We just we look at projects and we'll be like, our team doesn't have the necessary skills to complete that, so mm-hmm. we will actually actively turn down work because we know that our team can't handle it. And uh, really, just comes down to that: it's experimenting, it's learning what makes a person tick, right? Is it for some mm-hmm. of my crew, it's challenging. They want to do the more challenging pro- projects, mm-hmm. right? Others, it's more problem solving. Others, it's more doing, constantly doing different things. And as soon as you tailor that, as soon as you actively look for pleasing their, their, their brain, their mind, that's when you can put together a phenomenal team, right? It sounds like you more focus on trial and error in terms of learning. Every, every yes. 100%. Do you have conversations with them when, when you hire people six months in, et cetera? All the time. Yeah. Every time I try to, every time we do, we'll do like a closeout meeting and we'll be like, okay, hey, look, this is how the project went. How can I be better? What can I do to make your life easier and vice versa? And then we'll actively have these discussions because <clears throat> I came from a place when I did my apprenticeship where it was the employer and the employees. And they hated each other. And there was always an active war going on between them. Mm. How can I fuck over the other team? Right? What can I do to sabotage them? Fuck them. Fuck what they do. It was just terrible company culture. And I couldn't understand why. And it baffled me. Mm. And then I started to, as I grew older and I started to get more experience, I learned that it was just an archaic way of management. And there was no reason for it mm-hmm. that you guys, that everyone was on a team. And if you just learn to work together, could accomplish phenomenal things. But if you constantly belittle your employees and think mm-hmm. of them as numbers and you only bring them into the office when they fuck up, well, what do you expect? Exactly. You expect anything in return? No, it's a two way street, right? How do you build honesty in those meetings though? So when you're, Let's say someone's worked with you for six months. Yeah. You've finished a project. You call them in. You're asking them how they think it went. Obviously, their gut reaction is to like say the right things. How do you build honesty with employees to I, share? I tell them that they can't hurt my feelings. And if they do, I'll give them a thousand bucks. That probably gets a little laugh at least, right? It does. It, it warms them up a little bit. Yeah. 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 
I just tell them that, look, I'm human and I will never tell you that I'm perfect. And I just constantly am trying to make your life easier. I always tell them that I'm, I'm doing it for them, for their benefit. And if they choose not to tell me, well, at the end of the day, they're just mm -hmm. fucking themselves over. Then I'm going to keep doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. So if I'm making it more difficult for you to finish or complete a project, they're the ones suffering, not me. So if I explain it to them, it's all about the wording. If you explain it to them in that very specific way, what are they going to do? They're going to make it so that their life is as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. So then they will tell me what it is that will achieve that, right? It's all about wording. It's all about how you try to convey the point and get your message across. It's very key. One of the things I want to talk to you about was like building culture in a brand, Yep. in a company. And I think that right there is obviously part of it. Just creating some sort of comfort with employees where they feel like they can voice their opinion and be honest. Exactly. But what else has created a, this culture that you are so proud of in your company? Um, I would just say the camaraderie, right? Just mm -hmm. we treat each other as equals. And what I really try to focus on is that we're only as good as our weakest link. So if you choose not to help out another one of your fellow employees, you're really just hurting yourself. Because mm. I always tell them, I say, the better we are as a company, the better jobs that we're going to get, the more money we'll be able to command, which again, makes it better for them. And that's what I always try to get, to, to get them to understand is the better the company is, better you treat mm. the customers, the more benefits you will receive. But you obviously have to give them the benefits eventually too, right? Mm. So for us, I have a simple policy. You can take as much time off as you want. You don't get paid, but you want two weeks in the summer, two weeks in the winter. Sure. No problem. But what I expect in you having that, I expect certain things in return. Right. And one of the things you'll, most employees will say about me is I'm extremely anal. I don't put up with mess. I don't put up with poor workmanship, but like I said, it's two way street. I'm very particular about certain things. But because I demand that, they receive a benefit from afterwards or can receive it if they choose to, right? Mm -hmm. So. Schedule. What does your afternoon look like? Do you stop working ever? No. So you leave job sites at? Three, no two, yeah. three o'clock. Okay. I usually get back in the office around four or five. I'll have dinner. And then I can't run when it's hot out, but most of the times when it's not, I'll usually go for a run. I'm the opposite. I let my body go in the summer. <laughs> in the afternoon, you run? I usually run at around six, seven o'clock, and then I'll go to bed. What time do you go to bed? Eight o'clock. Every day? Almost every day, except for the weekend. That's fucked. <laughs> I love I it. I can't go to bed I before like 11. Is it still daylight outside? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't bother you, right? Eh? The Not sun sets at like 9.30 right now. Yeah. 9 o'clock maybe. Not at all. But it's what works. Yeah. Because of it, uh, especially when I am running, I don't, I have less burnout than I than I do. I have a lot of burnout in the summer actually because I don't run. You don't run when it's hot. Can't stand it. I love it. Sweat so much. Can't stand it. I did my first hot yoga class last week. Really? Yeah. How did that go? Super interesting. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hot. You know what? I said after the class, I was walking out. I was like, I am super happy there's music. 
Otherwise, all you would have heard, because the teacher was fairly quiet, like she'll announce a pose and do it, but it wasn't like she was instructing you the whole class. So I was like, I'm super happy there was music, because otherwise, all you would have heard the entire class was drip, drip, (laughs) drip, drip off my chin, just like sweat going in. See, I'm a little fucked up because I love running in the rain. I love running. I like it too. I just, to me, you know what it is? It separates uh, the men from the boys, because very few people want to go out when it's freezing cold yeah. or pouring rain or snowing i like I running in the snow i love it i know yeah motivational when sure. do you start running uh i have my ups and my downs because i was very heavily involved in running four or five years ago okay like i would go for an hour hour almost every night really i just i got it's a drug right mm-hmm. and then i just for me it depends how busy we are sometimes we get in stretches for like three months where I mean, I'm working 14 hour days every day just to keep up, just to keep my head above water. So then unfortunately my diet and my exercise take a backseat, try to work on it. But what's the drug? Why do you like it? Uh, it's, uh, it's the freedom of running just anywhere you want to go at do, any time. Do you turn your phone off? No, I listen to music and, uh, it's just something about running it's runner's high right it's just something about being you can go as fast as you want as slow as you want you can push yourself as hard and i love it because it's just you know, i'll be the the guy that's telling myself uh i'll go up to a bottom and hell and be like can't, i bet you can't beat your record from yesterday <laughs> right and then i'll i'll try every day to beat my record but then it gets uh it can get a little dangerous you gotta come for a hike with me you like hikes um, you know, I have, I have a funny joke that I tell with all my guys. I say to them, never half-ass anything, right? Full-ass everything. To me, a hike's half-assing it. You should do a hike with me. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you'd be even close. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I, I just, I'm more like adventurous. Like, I'll go skydiving with you. All right. If you come for a hike with me, I'll go skydiving with you. Deal? Done. Sounds good. That's recorded, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I've actually like thought about doing it. Skydiving? Yeah, just no one's ever told me to do it. I'm probably not going to go do it by myself. But if you have an excuse, you'd do it? Yeah, if someone's like, hey, you want to skydive? All right. Have you ever been bungee jumping or anything? Nope. Not that many. I'll try everything once, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is I actually dislike doing things the second time. I went ice fishing. Never do it again. <laughs> I loved fishing. it. Loved I it. think you'd have to like convince me to go. Like that's that awesome. doesn't sound like super that's exciting awesome. to me. Awesome, great experience. Really, but I would never do it again. <laughs> Could have been that good. It was good. I just, I just, I'm the type of guy that I do things once and set. Because what if you do it a second time? That means you love it and you're going to be super invested. Taints the first yeah. memory. Right. Okay. Right. I just love the the raw the. I just love going to something, having no expectations. All right, letting us see how it plays out. Do you actively do that? So for whatever reason in the last like couple of weeks, I've had this conversation with a couple of people is like, I really enjoy doing things that make me uncomfortable just so my comfort level grows. And I think 100%. we had that conversation with Jamie, right? On the podcast. Do you actively like look for opportunities to do that? I try to do it once every day. Whether that's picking up uh, a phone, trying to call somebody who's what I would say businessly completely out of my league, mm-hmm. 
or sending an email, cold, cold email, uh, taking on a project that I know we could handle, but is a bit out of my league. I try to do something like that once every day. Have to. Do you feel like your comfort level just keeps growing? My experience grows, which a, which allows me to cope with it better. I don't feel your, I don't really, I don't necessarily think your comfort level grows. I just think you learn how to deal with it better. Mm-hmm. Just like I learned how to deal with stress. Like I, that's comfort level because you look back on experience and you say, okay, I've done this before or I've had this similar situation before. So then your comfort level of dealing with a more difficult situation, let's say yeah. if your comfort is four out of 10 on the difficult scale and you deal with one six out of 10. But what's comfort though? The next five out of 10 isn't as hard. How would you describe comfort? I think it's different for everyone based on experience. But if you had to say... So like, would you say, okay, I've sold a $6 million home before. I know I can do it the next time. Is that what you're trying to, in terms of comfort? Like I, think that makes, I think it makes a difference. Okay. For sure. I think if, uh, let's say I'm a year into my career, all I've sold is condos. Yep. Then I have a seller call me who's a uh, house seller. Yep. It's intimidating. I've never sold a house before. I don't know exactly what to look for. I don't know exactly what to say to people as they walk through the door. Yep. But if I've sold five houses, the sixth one is pretty easy because I've done it dozens and dozens, yeah. or, you know, a bunch of times. I guess the the way I look at it is now comparing it to something like stress. So it's not that my stress level is higher. Mm-hmm. So I've learned how to deal with it more effectively. Right. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say is my comfort zone hasn't gotten bigger. I've just learned how to deal with uncomfortable situations better than before. Yeah. Right. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, just a different way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go back to this because it is bugging me a little bit. Why do you think hiking is half-assing? I don't know. I I think you're thinking of like a normal Vancouverite who goes for one hike every three months on a Sunday afternoon and is strolling at like 45 minutes per kilometer. Okay. You're probably right. Again, I don't get out much. So... (laughs) Uh, you're probably right. Cause I would be the type of person that's like, okay, we're going to push. We're going to, we're not going to fuck around. Like you we're going to go how much I sweat when I hike. And I would probably, then I, maybe I was completely wrong and I probably would, I probably would enjoy it. But like, I want to push myself. I don't want to just go and be like, oh, this is a nice walk in the park. Right. I did I the same hike last year. Seymour. Yep. 23 times in August. <laughs> wow. And every day I was just trying to beat it, beat the time from yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I got down to a pretty good time and I haven't. Got, some, got to it yet this yeah. year, Carl. I'm going to get to it this year. Are you, are you actually going to try? I'm going to beat it this year. What is it, 36? 36.50. But it's funny you say that because I'm I'm very much similar. Yeah. If I run somewhere, I have to beat it the next time. So that's when it can get dangerous. That's interesting because for me, running is my meditation. Yep. Yeah, I almost, completely right? agree with you. Yep. So when I run, I'll look at the time, but I'm not obsessed with it. I'll like look at the time when I leave and come back. But I'm not trying to beat times usually. Okay. It's more just like I want to clear my head for 30 minutes. Okay. Whereas you just find it as competition. If I allow myself, like, so I'm the same way as you, is if I don't time it, then I enjoy it. Then I go out and I'll just run. Yeah. But as soon as I time it, that's it. Because oh, you're, yeah. you're thinking uh, about it, right? Yeah. You're yeah. focusing on the time. You're not relaxing anymore. Uh, but even I still relax. I just 
push myself because I'm like, fuck, I got to beat it. I can't. I'm like, if I don't beat it, I'm going to be pissed off. I was on the island last week and there was a lake close to where we were staying that was 6.1K. And the first day, I think, did it with Jordan. So we did it in like 33, 34 minutes or something. Next day, I was like, I'm beating 30. And I did it in 30, 30. And I was fairly upset. <laughs> and then I went back the next day by myself. And I was like, I'm 100% going to beat 30. And I did it in 27.40. Wow. Yeah. But that's the same thing. I was just like so obsessed with beating it. And I look at my time halfway through. I was like, it was like 14.40 or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I better pick it up. <laughs> do, you think, do you think this mindset that you guys are talking about is a positive or a negative thing? Depends how it's used. 100%. That's the right? exact answer. Depends right how it's used. So what do you mean by that? Well, it's like... like I don't what? wish it on anyone. So I think it's slightly a curse, but I like the way that I use it. But you, you have to do because so getting back to encouraging people or trying to explain to people what it's like running a business is that's what it's like daily. Mm-hmm. So I read a phenomenal article where it says in life, if you just try to get 1% better every day, five years from now, you're going to be looking at a huge difference. So that's what it's like is every day you wake up and you have to be better, especially mm-hmm. when you're first starting out, you got to be better than yesterday. You got to make more phone calls than the next guy. You got to do everything that they don't want to do. I live a saying, I live by a saying that's pay the price today, pay any price tomorrow. Or sorry, pay the price today, pay any price tomorrow. Right? So if you put the work in today, tomorrow's going to be very bright. So career-wise, it's all positive. What would be a negative situation of this mindset? I think it'd be very difficult to have a relationship with somebody who's not like trying to do. Yeah. It's more... What I'm finding as now I'm 30, so I feel like I have, I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say. I'm going <laughs> to say life, life experience. experience. I yeah. don't know. But I don't really. It is what it is. Um, I'm finding that it's more just finding the right person. So a lot of people don't understand. No. Friends don't really understand. Family doesn't really understand. Like my dad has told me, hmm, you're going to get burnt out. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Like this is, uh, I don't know. No, it's, it's I same use way. this expression. I'm like, this is how I breathe, dad. This is what makes me breathe. If I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't be able to breathe. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it's weird. It's like anxious when I'm not the summer. I take fairly easy. Okay. So August and December are months that are pretty chill. They're like naturally slower months in real estate. So it's an easier way so, yeah. for us to kind of unwind and recharge, uh, which I want to ask you about before i forget um i don't know where i was going with that it's it's uh it's funny because my dad says you gotta relax you gotta enjoy life like i enjoy life every day exactly and the problem is is like we're talking about relationship it's very difficult to find somebody who could for lack of a better term put up with you Mm -hmm. it can be very difficult like you got to think it's like training for a marathon you're constantly every day doing something to reach a goal so you know, it's very difficult to find a partner who's going to come out with you and watch you run another hundred laps around a track and encourage you. It's just as much, it's just as taxing on them as it is you or just as difficult for them to support you as it is like we talked about being every day being on the ball, every day trying to get a little bit better. They almost necessarily have to do the same thing, mm-hmm. right? In the relationship. So it's very difficult mm-hmm. finding somebody who wants that, right? I like that you brought up marathon because- that's what it is. A lot of young entrepreneurs, 
well, use that term fairly lightly, a lot of young people that want to be self-employed, their goals are super short term. They're like, I want to make 100K next year. And I want uh, to sell this one property and they'll do whatever it takes, yep. even if it's slightly sketchy, even if they screw people over in the process for They're, that one specific deal. But how do you pull yourself out and think long term? Because I know that's the way that you Yes. You so think. I, I and, tell all my employees, don't have short term think. Don't do a short term short term gain for long term loss. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't think about doing something now. Where you're gonna make more money but not gain a skill set, where you're gonna fuck yourself over in ten years, right? So, for me, it's it's always about thinking like what the long term goal is every day and constantly shifting, adjusting, right? It's thinking about today but yet thinking ten years down the road. And this is also why I don't like social media is because it's all about the now, right? Not for me. And, and I'm just saying in the sense of like people post one photo and it's like, okay, how many likes can I get now? But then what are you what are you what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to build towards? And for me, one of the big differences, I do what I need to do every day. A lot of people just do what they want to do in business. Right? I'll ha- if I need to make a thousand phone calls to gain a to get a job, I'll I'll do that because that's what I have to do. Whereas a lot of younger people I meet just do what they want to do. They want to make they only want to make two phone calls a day. And if they get the job, they get the job. If they don't, they don't don't. Mm. That's a huge difference that i see right you said um some younger people in in business or in your industry have reached out to you and asked you for coffee several well i've actually tried to help quite a few individuals launch their own business within the construction industry and it's kind of it's a little disheartening how many people have actually failed at it what's the common denominator in the people that are failing um is it short-term thinking is it not understanding the grind that it takes to actually get a business off the ground it's not it's not having the perseverance right even for me there's been days Just battling adversity yeah there's been days where in when we first opened up when i first opened up my second business there was days where i was like holy fuck we're not gonna make payroll right and it's like holy shit i hope i pray to god that that check comes in that i'm waiting for because i don't know if we're gonna make payroll right and it's just the constant perseverance of my thinking was always, okay, if it doesn't, what's my option? Mm. Whereas most people are like, if it doesn't come, ah, I guess it's over. Right? It's, it's all about the perverse perseverance. So it's always about, okay, this is plan A, but what about plan C, D, F, Z? Right? And the more you think like that, you'll be able to overcome anything. So perseverance is the biggest for me. And that's what people lack when oh, yeah. they're getting into oh, business. Because yeah. there's no, there's no short-term fulfillment there's no short-term gain for them in business there isn't unless you invest in a bitcoin at 10 cents and you sold it for a thousand bucks there's no there's no real short-term game in business there isn't like i remember last time we talked about when your goal was to make a hundred thousand how long did that take eight months (laughs) bad example then but you know what i mean but okay that's not true maybe 12 uh but it was 12 months of like a lot of mental struggle, right? So for me, it was, I didn't sell a house till I was, well, again, maybe I'm a little privileged. I think it was like three or four months in. Okay. First paycheck was like six months in, but the next six was kind of crazy. Okay. But in those first six months while you're battling, while you're like 
handing out letters every day, cold calling three times a week, like doing all these like things that are not fun and people are yelling and swearing at you. I think it's pretty natural to have these thoughts in your head of like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this? Uh, like, would you say that there were several days where you're like, fuck this, I'm, I give up? Several days a week. Yeah, there you, so that's my, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, that's what I pride myself in is being able to snap out of those situations really quickly. Yeah. But the, those thoughts come up a lot at the start. They mm. come, even come up now. Yeah. Like, still, like, why am I doing this, like, 16-hour day? Like, yeah, there's, is there's, it worth it for how yeah. much I'm making? Is it, like. Yeah. But those are good questions to ask because, again, mm. it just helps you focus in. Mm-hmm. Right, because if you start having too many days like that, mm-hmm. you need to be able to understand. I need to make a change. I need to somehow pivot mm-hmm. lightly, that I can have fewer and fewer of those days. Even last month in July, after like I don't know, probably four months without taking one day off, I send Jamie a text. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I'm taking it really easy in yeah. August. Just want to let you know, it's the middle of July. I'll pound through the next couple of weeks, but like August, August. I'm taking it easy because yeah. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. Just, and, and not so, and physically, no. Like I just physically, mentally. I feel better yeah. than I've ever felt, but mentally I'm exhausted. <laughs> but it's important that you realize that, right? And that's you do the difference, about right? It. That's yeah. the difference. Early in my career, I wasn't able to articulate that or even allow myself to think that because I thought I was still building. This is how I build. I just keep going every day. It doesn't matter three years in, could I have taken a weekend off? Sure. But like, I didn't want to, I was just like, this is how I keep progressing. But I think it's a cool ride to go through where you just kind of figure out along the way, what is important to you, what helps you progress and taking, I say a month, but like, it's like a couple days a week of that month. Yeah. Light. Um, just kind of refreshes you for the next busy season kind exactly. of thing, right? Exactly. And it helps you in those busy seasons. 100%. 100%. What about you? How do you recharge? I sleep. I try to sleep 12 hours every Friday. So Friday night I go to bed at <sighs> 8, 9 o'clock, wake up. Dude, you are fucking interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And how, then I feel phenomenal. How long have you been doing like this schedule for? Uh, two years, probably. Two years? Yeah. Was it tough at the beginning? Extremely tough. But then you're good now, eh? Oh, yeah. Your body Once you just get adapts. used to it, yeah. I actually get pissed off when I don't do it now. So if I'll go away uh, for a weekend mm-hmm. and i up drinking with my family or something till 11 o'clock, I get pissed off. Yeah. I have Because ter- I still wake up. At five, I'll wake up at 530 <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm up and it's like I can't go back to bed and then I'm just, I'm choked, right? That's one of the best things actually that I've seen in myself in the last couple of years is I can't wake up like past 6.30 now. Yeah, Usually I set my alarm for 6. But even if I don't on a Saturday, I don't set an alarm. I'll wake up at 6.30. Yeah, yeah. I'll just lie there. Yeah. And be like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I lying here? And just make a coffee and let's go. Um, Whereas the first probably three years of my career was insane. I had zero balance. I didn't work out. I didn't do anything other than work. Yeah. And so it was like work from like, 8, 9 a.m. to 2, 3 a.m. Sleep at 3 a.m. till 9. Yep. And go right back at it. But it it was weird because I really like those couple early morning hours because no one bugs you. (laughs) There's no phone calls from 6 to 9, really. Whereas if you wake up at 9, you're just bombarded with shit all the time. 
So now you see my point of why I wake up so early because that really? you set yourself up every day. Is it like I consider like you're going into battle and if you prepare the the preparation and, and everything is key. Mm-hmm. So if you prepare yourself for that day, it's so much easier to conquer it than if you just wake up and it's like, holy fuck, I'm just bombarded with a million things. Mm-hmm. I have a million things I need to do. And what people don't understand, it's all psychological. Everything you do, no matter what you do from business to anything, all about the mindset. And as soon as you can figure out how to train your mindset, you can do some fucking phenomenal things. Do you have mental weakness times? Do you have times where it's yes. more of a struggle? Yes. And how do you battle through that? Like what goes through your head when when you're having a really negative thought? Um, to, to some degree, I actually, not embrace, embrace is the wrong word, but I, I, let it, I let it consume me for the shortest amount of time possible. And then it goes through my mind quicker. Instead of hiding it, I try to understand why. So if I'm having a negative thought of, mm-hmm. uh, what would be an example? For I just want while you're yeah. pausing, I want to say I love you. <laughs> Continue. Um, let's say one of my guys fucked up on a job site and it made the company look bad. Instead of me getting depressed or being pissed off about it, I'll let the emotion just ride right over me, hit me like a wave. And it'd be like, and then I'll understand why. Why am I pissed off? What is it about what happened that's frustrating me right now? And then I'll, I won't stop thinking about it for hours. And I mean hours. It stays on my mind. I'll actually talk to myself and go through all the different scenarios about why it happened. I have to be alone because I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but I'll just go through it constantly until I literally beat it out of my head. And then once I come up with a, a solution, the thought's gone and never think about it again. So you more take it as like an opportunity to problem solve. 100%. Whereas I take it as an opportunity to pull positives out. Okay. So let's use the exact same example. One of the people on our team makes a mistake with a client. Yep. Looks bad on us. Yep. Looks bad on our, yep. hurts our reputation a little bit. It, yep. It, for sure it's an opportunity to problem solve, but I look at it as I'm super excited to have these opportunities. Like we're working with this client that's selling their $1.2 million house. It's pretty fucking cool that we are in this situation. And this is just the type of stuff that comes up when you're in these situations. That's just the territory. But for me, you got to push it further. Yeah. Okay. It's good to look at the positive, but at the end of the day, you want to ensure that that you want to try to ensure it never happens again. For sure. Right? Yep. So you need to look at it and say, okay, he said something really fucking dumb. What can I do? Do I give him a cue card next time? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, do I give him a panic button on his phone so he can touch it and then someone, it makes it seem like someone's calling him? How do I prevent that from happening? That's what I always try to do. Mm-hmm. Go one step further. Right? Figure out the root cause of what's going on and make sure try to make sure it never happens again. That's one of the biggest things I pride myself on is Never making the same mistake twice. And exactly. so that's something that I preach to our team as well is just, I think in order to improve in life, you can't be told everything. No. You have to be put in situations that are uncomfortable. You have to fail. Make decisions, make mistakes, and understand that in the next time you're in that situation, you can't make the same mistake. Uh, quick point. So you're going back to leadership and 
one of the most valuable lessons that I, I realized is what I do for all my guys is I actually set them up to fail in a certain way. So I'll give them a project knowing that they're going to fail and I'll tell them they're going to fail. And you I tell them beforehand? Yes, that they're going to fail. I'll tell them, I'm going to send you to do this project, but you won't be able to do it. You don't have the skill set yet to do it. But when you hit a point in the project that you know you can't do it, phone me and we're going to work through it together. So right off the bat, they, they already know that I'm not expecting them to complete the project, right? Mm-hmm. So they already know going in, they, have, they don't have any stress because they already know that they're not going to succeed. The pressure's off, yeah. Exactly. So now they go in there and they're still scared shitless because they want to do the project. Mm-hmm. But then we work through it together. Then they say, I, you know what, Jordan, you were right. I realize, but I, I know where I'm hitting the roadblock. So then I'll help them get through that and then they grow as a person. And I always try to explain to them that my best interest is not necessarily in the company, it's in you. If you want to leave this company to get to the next level, I'll be the first one to help you do it. Be the first one. I'll do whatever it takes. You want to study every night with me for an hour? I'll help you out as much as I can. I can't promise you I'll give you an hour, but I'll do whatever I can to help you get to the next level. And because of that, the, the, the team will do anything for me because I'll do anything. Do you think that's the right move for everyone though? No. It's based on, based on personality. Yes. In terms of telling them they're going to fail, putting them in the situation and letting them call you. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't do well in that. Really? No. I would never fucking call you. Why? Cause I'd be like, no, fuck it. I'm going to YouTube. I'm going to Google. I'm going to call someone else. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to send them a message and be like, fuck you, I did it. Okay, but then did I not just get you accomplish a project that you could no, have not No, because I never felt, I never felt the same anxiety, I don't think. And I think that's kind of what I thrive on. Okay. Is the unknown, is the anxious feeling of potentially not knowing what I'm doing. Okay. And then down the road, remembering that feeling. But then there's some people that fall apart in that situation. That's why. I, that's but why. So I, you're, that's you're, why I position it as: is that the right move for right. everyone? So you're right. you're a stronger-minded person than most, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of I like to think so. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But a lot of a lot of people, and I'm, I don't want to put anybody down, but a lot of people that we work with don't necessarily have the same mental. So I, they need a little bit more guidance. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, they just need to I be position pushed. It as like it. Is that something you can do with every employee that you bring on? See, I, again, it wouldn't work for me. Right. It would no, no way in hell would it work for me. Mm. Right. But again, we're just, we think differently. Right. So I'm just talking about trying to create a company culture. Right. Because you don't really want to have too many people that think like you. You want to have people that think differently than you. Right. If you have too many people that think like you, fuck. Nothing will ever get done. <laughs> Be a shit show. <laughs> Right. Speaking of people that think like you, would you recommend working with family? Um, the reason I bring this up, one of Gio's or Gio's brother is like one of my good friends, and they work together now. They worked together for three or four years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I know. Jesus Christ. I know. Okay. I know how to deal with them to answer your question because <laughs> I already know exactly what you're going to say. That's such a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's finding 
not necessarily what motivates him. It's finding him how to get what I want him to do, but for him to think that he's doing it on his terms, right? If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, and it's again, trial and error. It's be like, okay, this didn't fucking work. I got to change how I'm approaching the tasks that I want him to do, right? And that's the biggest thing is trial and error, learning. Okay, giving him a list doesn't work. What do I need to do? How can I motivate him to push himself? Right? How can I get him to want to do his job better than I could force him to do it? Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are the questions. And again, like me and my brother don't do well with the honest conversations. Interesting. As much as I try to have them, they don't ever. Oh, I guess too honest? <laughs> no, just some of we not necessarily can take what the other person is saying very well. More one-sided, but. Have you ever given him a thousand dollars? Thousand dollars? Yeah. You said if someone can offend you, you'll give him a thousand dollars. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 He has not. Do you feel like, and this is coming from my personal experience, do you feel like you treat him differently than other, like other people that you work with? Because no. I worked for my dad and my brother was a manager of one of the places that I worked at Yep, for, for, I don't know, four or five years. And I always felt like they were harder on me than they were on anyone else. Okay. Which I didn't necessarily mind, but I definitely saw it. Yep. Do you feel like you're like that? No, not at all. Because I've come to realize that you need to not sinister sinister is the wrong word but you need to be able to draw a line between this is time for work time for family is set up for another time frame Mm -hmm. and when we're in this place this is the relationship we have when we're at time for family different relationship and if you cannot differentiate between the two you will not work out and that's why most family work situations don't work out exactly. because people can't differentiate. Exactly. But it's again, it's it's also the level of maturity between both parties. Sure. Like I said, I can sit down with my brother and we can try to have a dialect about how both of us can get better. So like for my brother, what I'll always do is I'll always start off saying how I can do something better. Because my brother doesn't take well to being not necessarily attacked, but to be criticized. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I'll again shift the dialect being, okay, look, I fucked up. This is my weakness, right? Now that I've taken my armor off, let's discuss you, right? To essentially try to somewhat level the field. I feel like it's always tricky. But it, but it, again, it, to me, it's, it's all about the level of maturity. Totally. I'll, I'll be willing to have a conversation with anybody. It's getting back to the social aspect. A lot of people don't necessarily like going out socially with me because I challenge their views, right? Both like religiously or politically, I'll not necessarily do it uh, to hurt them, but just to challenge their view because a lot of people are, you know, they'll just watch a particular news channel. Fuck, I love that so much, dude. Right? It's so fun. So I'll sit there with you and I'll be like, okay, if you know your particular religion I'm just curious, what is it about the religion that you believe so strongly in? Right? And a lot of people feel uncomfortable with that because they're like, oh, fuck, I'm sitting there with 
in class here jesus christ <laughs> came out for a beer not a fucking uh interview <laughs> right and so for me it's just i'm curious i want to know what it is about i want to get into i want to dive into your your the way you think and understand what makes you tech right i love those conversations they're the best conversations you don't get to that's how you really understand yeah, people can't hide like. their true exactly. intentions exactly yeah. right more so like from my perspective it's more so i'm just curious to learn i want to understand like why is someone so passionate about something whether it's a religion or a political belief or what like anything why do they think that this is the correct way and even I if love, it's yeah if even if it's something you don't agree with exactly. you can still take out like learn so th- much from it see and that's and that's what i love i love talking with someone who's complete opposite of me and not being affected by what they're saying mm-hmm. their idea Right, because some people will push an idea so heavily that they're just, just so personally involved. Exactly, right. And I love the fact having a conversation like, "Oh, this guy's fucking nuts," but I respect him <laughs> and I understand where he's coming from. Right, trying to put yourself in his shoes, and uh, yeah, those are some of the best conversations. That's how you truly get to understand somebody, right? I feel like in the last few years, I've become so much more open-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was born and bred in like a very conservative family. It's very structured. That was my next point is it's the environment too. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like when I remember going to elementary school, fuck, I didn't even know there was another religion. I know. Right? Because <laughs> uh, everyone condemned everything else, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, and then I, as I got older and I got more mature, I'm like, kind of pissed off that I was never given a chance. Yeah. Like, it's not that I like, I didn't say I wanted to be a part of this religion. Like, why didn't you just give me all four or five, ten of them and let me pick. Right? Why 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 was I forced this decision upon me? Right? Oh sorry, as you were saying about the conservative. Oh, it's just such bullshit. I'm just But again, put, put I like to think I'm open minded now. But put yourself in their shoes though, right? Too is like understand where they came from. Like mm-hmm. I don't agree with my grandmother a significant amount of what she believes in. Mm-hmm. But I understand the environment she came from. Sure. And I understand what her religion does for her. It provides her hope. It provided her hope in her deepest and darkest moments. And like back yeah. in those days, like... And it's like a teddy bear. It was a community, right? right? Exactly. Like you go to church on weekends. That's, everyone yeah. was there, the whole town, whatever. Yeah, my brother my brother tells me all the time. He's like, that's how you got your news. Yeah. There's no internet. There's exactly. no social networks. So when you put yourself in their understanding, when you learn that, because of their environment, they are so entrenched in this idea, mm. in this idea, you get, you become to get an understanding of why they believe so heavily in it. But right? why, as they get older and technology gets better and the internet is a thing, why are they still so close-minded? Because people get comfortable when they get older. But it's also think about it, like put it to like this, like I said, with the teddy bear, it's for some people, they had that certain comfort. Mm-hmm right uh whatever you would call a comfort toy or something even to them it it reminds them it 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 brings them back to a time of comfort right Mm -hmm. so for my grandmother when she was pissed poor in the middle of italy her religion is what gave her hope when she felt that there was nothing there was no brighter future Mm -hmm. so when she had a brighter future what do you think she equated it to her religion Right. So then you, you can never take that out of somebody's head. But relay that to our generation now that technology is a thing. We understand that it's changing every day. We understand that 
in 10 years from now, how we express ourselves online, the devices that we use is going to keep continue to change. I feel like we're so much more open-minded to adjust with times than our parents and grandparents were. It's because of information. You have access to, I don't even but why, want to. But the information's there now. Like, why is my dad at whatever he is, 63, something, 64, I don't know what it is. Why is he not open to using Google and YouTube? When you're, when you're 63. He just fucking got an email address. When like, you're 63 and you've lived your entire life believing in something, let me know then how hard it is to change that. You'll never understand till that point. Think about believing in, um, think about believing in the sky is blue for sixty-three years of your life. Somebody comes along and says the sky's been red the entire time. You're not just gonna be like, oh, you know. No, what I, mean? I wouldn't like, agree, but I'd like research. Okay, but my point is like, think about how difficult that would be to just to all of a sudden say the last sixty-three years of my life. I believe in, I've been believing in something that isn't real. That's, that's, that's a difficult. But to me, that's an exciting opportunity to actually learn what is actually happening in the world. But, but you haven't been alive for 63 years and believed in something for that long. I've been alive for 30. But I feel like you were always like that, right? Like even with your like super conservative parents, right? You never fully bought into it. No, I never did. Yeah. Why, why is that? I don't like rules. But like you were surrounded by it, right? That's how you grew up. Because I think it was, you know what it was? And I tell people all the time, it was about the friends you had, about the group of people you associated with. You associated with a lot of people like my brother and them who never really played by the rules. But that was later. I really? didn't, okay. Because yeah, I didn't meet your brother until grade 10. Okay. Whatever, whatever so this is before 15. that. Even like as a kid, like I just hated the idea of someone telling me what to do. I'm like, why is this 40 year old person like why do why do they have the authority to tell me what to do? Always. Yeah. Okay. For whatever reason, and I still hate hate the bull, hate all this bullshit. I hate the rules. Even when like all these bullshit new forms come out in real estate, my first thought in my head is, let's do some fucking Instagram videos and tell people <laughs> how how much bullshit this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. There's a fucking form now that. So if you go to sell your condo, okay, you're gonna sign a listing contract. On the listing contract, you're going to list a price, and there's going to be a commission amount that I'm you gonna agree to. I'm going to list the price, or like I'm, I'm going to physically write the price into this form. Or well, you're you going to initial it. Okay, okay. So like okay. we're going to have a conversation. Yep. We're going to say, okay, your place is worth six hundred, five hundred. Okay. I don't know, whatever the number is. We're going to write it down. I'm going to say, these are my services. This is what we do to market your place. This is what we do to sell it. This is the commission that we charge. Okay. There's a line that states the commission. Okay. It's clearly noted on the listing contract. Okay. We've talked about it. Okay. You've signed it. Okay. When we get an offer, we now have a form that has to tell you the commission again. Every fucking offer. So if we go back and forth four times, countering, let's say someone offers you 480. Yeah, yeah. You counter 495. They counter back for <laughs> 485, 490, Jesus 488. Christ. Every time it goes back and forth, new document saying exactly what the commission amount is. But I understand it's not going to change. Like, I don't. Yeah. If, it's if you gonna... counter $2,000, it's going to change like $100. <laughs> so why do they do that? Just to have it in the open? Sketchy realtors? Somebody because the, somebody government, the government took over the real estate council and in, in 
made this new position in the government called the superintendent of real estate. Mm-hmm. It's a lawyer, someone who has zero uh, experience in the real estate industry. And they decided that the public doesn't know all the information that is happening during transactions. So we need these forms now. And there's like nine new forms in the last year. Hey, that's the best way to shake up uh, an industry. What the Put somebody in charge fuck? of who's never even done a fucking day Isn't of that, work. Vancouver is really like, good at that. Yeah. It's literally the best option, right? Yeah, 100%. Hmm. So make it as bureaucratic. We're unhappy awesome. with the market values going up a lot. Let's hire a lawyer who's never sold a home or even been involved in a real estate transaction to just oversee the whole thing. No, but I get it though. Let's uh, think about it like this. The more paperwork we add, maybe the less homes we're going to sell. <laughs> right? Keep just piling on the paperwork. No, it's not. I'm just a joke. <laughs> right? The more shit you keep putting in front of people, the less likely oh, they're going to want to sell their own. Oh my God. Anyway, that's my little rant for today. <laughs> There's a lot of shit like that happening right now. Anyway, so my thought as a real estate professional who believes that they know what they're doing is to just criticize the fuck out of all this new shit. So this is a good story. Um, two new documents came out. One's called a disclosure of representation and trading services. This is good shit. So listen to this. <laughs> Another is a privacy document. Both fine. I get them. I understand. But the, a uh, real estate superintendent who's never sold a house in his life uh, has said that these documents need to be presented to a client prior to any trading services, trading services conversations happening. So let's say I've never met Gio before. Gio calls me, says, hey, my name's Giordano. thinking about selling my condo in Burnaby. I need to stop the conversation immediately. Say, hey, thanks for calling Gio. Uh, before we get started, I need you to review these documents. Uh, they basically outline what my job is at a, as a real estate professional, what I am uh, required to do in terms of keeping your, your information confidential. If you choose to work with me, these are the things that I have to do. If you choose that you don't want to work with me and you tell me any confidential information, I can give that to other people. <laughs> so basically I have to stop the conversation and be like, Go fuck yourself. I'm going to call you in an hour after you read my email. <laughs> Send you an email. You have to read the documents and then we can have a conversation. Do most people call you or email you? Uh, pretty even. Maybe 60-40 email first. Anyway. So now what the Real Estate Council has done, because this is a good way to uh, manage people, is... Hire a firm to call real estate agents pretending like they're potential clients. Basically, they're secret shopping us. And they're the most ridiculous conversations of all time. And I've had two of them call me. And both times, they're just like so obvious that they are not interested in buying or selling real estate. And so every time I get a call, I'll just do like an Instagram story. Be like, hey, thanks, uh, Real Estate Council of Greater Vancouver. Your uh, tricks suck. (laughs) Uh, also I passed, so go fuck yourself, but they're just fucking hilarious. Someone will call and be like, uh, Hey, uh, my name is, uh, Sophie and, uh, I'm, I'm considering the Burnaby market. What do you know about the Burnaby market? You're like, um, are you a secret shopper? (laughs) So can you not, you cannot, 
Could you not, uh, you can't automate this form? Like, you couldn't present it in, uh, kind of a quick point type, like, like, uh, someone emails you, they get an automatic response Like a a template to have everything So, we do have templates now, but it's like a copy and paste template. So, you can't really streamline it? But it's just an extra step, right? No matter what. So okay. the the fine line is no the fine line is pissing off clients, right? But so I guess, like, yeah. if a past client emails me that I sold their place three years ago, now they want to buy some whatever it is. Yes, I don't want can... them to get an automated email to be like, "Hey, John, thank you so much for your email." I want it to be like, "Hey, how's uh, your wife doing? Good point. Your kid's Good now point. three years old. It's so exciting. Yeah, what are you guys yeah. up to?" Right. So it's a fine line between like pissing people off and this disclosure of remuneration is what it's called when you have to disclose the exact number of commission every single offer you get, regardless of whether it's accepted or not. People laugh at, they're like, why are you sending me this? I'm not accepting the offer. I'm like, I know, I'm really sorry. I don't want to, I have to. (laughs) That's brutal. People laugh, right? I, I I would get pissed off. The first time it happened, the first time this form got introduced, I sent it to someone who we've done deals with before. They're like, you know, I'm not an idiot, right? I can do basic math. Like the commission is 7% of the first 100,000, 2.5% of the balance. I can easily do that math. You don't have to tell me the number. I'm like, I know. I feel really bad. I have to do this. <laughs> I'm just following the rules. <laughs> anyway, rant over. That was a longer rant than I anticipated. <laughs> Let's talk about goals, Gio. Okay. I don't have any. That's not what I was expecting. Interesting. Do you, so you don't set goals? No. Okay. Hmm. This is next question. Going differently than I thought. <laughs> no, because what is what what how would you uh, how would you define a goal? I think everyone defines them differently. I've talked to people who set daily goals who okay. say like like Jordan Sheldon who I really I like that mindset actually he sets he writes down every morning when he wakes up he writes down the three hardest things that he has to do that day and he tries to do them as soon as possible okay so let's say it's a 4 30 wake up looks at his three hardest things that he has to do tries to do them before he gets a phone call that day okay um and then he has like weekly goals so like maybe that is more like a meeting with an employee that you want to discuss the last project that they had or whatever and then they have like yearly goals where maybe it's like revenue numbers or X number of new clients or whatever it may be. You don't do any of that? Because uh, the way I look at a goal is something you hope to achieve. And for me, I look at it as there is no hope. It has to be achieved. So to me, it's, a t- it's on the to-do list. So you have a to-do list. Yeah, but it's it's not a goal that I hope to achieve it. It's I already know that I will achieve it. So it goes on the list of things that need to be done. Do you put them in time frames? Uh, no, because I do. I'll do everything as soon as I can. So if my goal is, let's say if I did have a goal, it'd be to grow my new company to uh, 100 customers in six months. That's a goal. Right? If, that was, if I'm saying if I did have that goal... My to-do list would be just get as many customers as I can as soon as possible. That would be on my to-do list. And I would brainstorm how, right? I just feel that setting like those types of things just get in the way of actually achieving it, in my opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with having a goal. Just like I said, to me, it's 
I'm the type of person that's all in or I'm not at all. Do you see any value in like the self-affirmations along the way? So like, let's say for that exact example that you said, I want 30 clients in the next six months or, you know, whatever that number is. If you're achieving that in four months and you can check that off, is that a self-affirmation or do you not find value in that stuff? I don't because, okay, so let's say, let's say I achieve that goal. What next? All of a sudden do I stop? Bigger goal. So I just keep pushing it up? Well, then why not on the to-do list? Is it just grow as many customers as you possibly can? And every day you do something to get to that. Do you break that down though? So if it's if that's the to-do list, yep. grow as many customers as possible. Yeah. Do you break that down into a process of how to grow? Yeah, but see, like I again, I my to-do list wouldn't say grow my company as quickly as possible to get as many customers as I can. My is how can I leverage my current clients to buy my new product? How can I how can I use people I know as bridges to get to new clients? Those are the questions I ask myself mm-hmm. and I write down. So it'll be on my to-do list is use Danny as a bridge to get to his clientele to push my product, right? Mm. And then that's a to-do list. That's not I hope to achieve it. It's I know I will do it, right? So I don't put, to me, I just, I never, to me looking at a sentence saying, I hope to have 30 customers in six months is... It's just hope though. The way that I look at goals, I don't think of them, I don't, I wouldn't classify them as like, I hope to do this. Okay. I would classify them as like, this is the next level. Okay. So like, let's say if you want to use my real estate transaction goals, for example, year one, I wanted to do one deal a month. Okay. I got my license in March. So that was eight deals. I did 17. So then the next year I was like, I want to do four deals a month. Okay. So it's whatever, 48. Did 76. So the next year is like, why well, did 76? But I, but I, I, I want to do 100 next I year. I understand it, but isn't, isn't your outcome that you would expect to be, I want to get as many deals per month as I can? Um, like what, I'm of just course. Saying, like when you look course, at it. Is, but it just kind of narrows it down in terms of like, I, I guess the next question is like, do you find value in being realistic? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So I look at like so, so to me, to me, a borderline unrealistic goal for my first full year in real estate. After I had eight months in my first year, then my first full year was four a month, and that would have put me borderline top one percent in the industry. Okay. So to me, that was a borderline unrealistic goal that I wanted to push myself to get to. Okay. I guess to answer your question, I just look at it as. I'm trying to achieve an outcome and every day I work towards achieving that outcome. I don't necessarily need intermediary posts or uh, lines or some type of marker to gauge whether or not I'm close to it or not, Mm -hmm. I guess is the way to answer that question. How do you define success then? How do I define success? Um, and success is a big word. It and, is. And I don't like throwing it around, so I don't know why I use that word. Because when I define success, I think I'm 60 years away from that. Okay. And I don't know if that is an actual thing that I think, but that's okay. the what I tell myself. So yeah, and I, I think that helps me like 
continue to work my butt off is just like, I'm not where I want to be. Okay. I, I agree with you on that. To me, it's more of like a, li- a lifestyle of success to me. Sure. If I can wake up and yes, I need to work my ass off, but I can do whatever it is I want to do. To me, that's success. Not having to worry about friend phoning me up saying, hey, Jordan, we're going to go to Mexico for three days. Mm. Not having to worry about do I have the financial freedom to do that. To me, that's success. That's the goal. The lifestyle. Isn't that a goal? Because that's my goal. My life goal is freedom. That's all I want. So I want to be able to wake up every single day and do whatever the hell I want every day. So if I feel burnt out next July, like I did this year. You can take a month off and not have to worry about it. Exactly. I don't know. I just, I guess, again, it depends on your definition of a goal. Like to me, a goal is something that you, is a marker. So like my goal is to do X, right? To me, I guess you, uh, to me, I have an outcome and it's a grand vision and I work every day at it. I don't set into, I don't set markers to say I've achieved 5% of my outcome, what my uh, hopeful outcome is or 10%. So to me, a goal is just a, is a post that says you're on the right track. You're getting there. To me, I don't really need that as motivation. To me, I have a final destination of what I want to achieve and I have the tunnel vision towards that and I don't need little markers to tell me I'm close or I'm 5% there, 10% there. Do you have markers outside of business? Um, Cause sounds like you have a big long-term vision. Yes. Business wise. Yes. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Outside of business. Do you, do you have markers? Do you have visions? Not yet. I'm not old enough to, I don't have the needs yet to be able to sit down and really answer that, think about that question yet. Like, for example, me this year, Yep. I wanted to work out every single day for 2019. Okay. And I'm 224 days in, I think. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. And every, like, let's say like twice a week, I'll post on Instagram, be like day 212, day yep. 218, whatever. Yep. And people comment all the time, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it motivates the hell out of me. Yeah, okay. People comment all the time and be like, this is super impressive. I don't know how you're doing this. <laughs> I would say the only outside one is I would uh, like to run a marathon one, one year. I love that. Yeah. Are you close? No. <laughs> no. No. I'll start up running again in like a month, and then we'll see. Ask me in six months. How mentally tough you are. Do you think if there's a marathon next week, you could just do it? No. You don't think you could finish it? My body it? would fail me. You don't think you'd finish it? Yes, but it would take me, how long is a marathon for? How long can a uh, typical, uh, a good, uh, an athlete who's in shape do it? Is it four hours? Like to make the Boston Marathon? To qualify four? for the Boston Marathon is like 309 or 308 or something? So I would probably be like a day, 24 hours. <laughs> I would finish you could, it. You could do it before that. I would, well, I would pretty much have to walk like <laughs> 80% of it. But yes, I would finish 100%. Without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I just wouldn't come anywhere close to what it should take. Yeah. That's when, we're like, when we go hiking, I might be four hours behind you, but I will meet you at the top. You won't be four hours behind me. The hike that I'm going to take you on is only 4K. You're not going to be four <laughs> hours behind me. But that's my point is that yes, is to me, no matter what, I will finish it just depends how much further behind I am. (laughs) That's fucking funny.
Interesting. I wasn't expecting that from you. I thought you'd be more structured in terms of goals. No, because uh, I live... To me, daily, I'm extremely structured in how I, I, I try to accomplish every day. Do you write stuff down? In terms like, uh, like what? tasks, like things you need to accomplish. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I have, I'm old school. I have a pen and a paper and I go through like two, three pages a day. I'll have hundreds of tasks I need to do every day. And I write every single one of them down. I cross it off. Do you prioritize? Um, like if you write down 40 things, do you say like number one, number one, number one, this is number four. If I don't get to it today and it goes to tomorrow, it's not that bad. No, I have to finish the list. I won't be able to go to sleep if the list isn't finished. Yeah. The list has to be finished every day. I'm very particular about that. <laughs> Sounds like it. Very particular. I feel like we should probably have round two. We didn't even talk about the mushroom coffee. Oh, fuck. That was a bad idea. It's already seven o'clock, though, so maybe we should wrap up. Save it. Yeah, save it for the next one. I got to get uh, some more information on it anyway. I forgot everything <laughs> was about that. Yeah, I'm the type of person that as soon as that idea has failed, that's it. It's gone. Never coming back. Doesn't matter uh, if they change the flavor or what. It's never coming back. How long did you drive for? Week and a half. <laughs> that's it? Yeah. Dude, it tastes like fucking dirt. It was gross. You just drink it straight, eh? I think you just, it's like comes in like a little. It's uh, like a tea bag? Tea bag and oh. you put it in hot water. Tastes fucking awful. Awful. And then I realized that by doing it actually, which is a good lesson, I realized that I wasn't necessarily not, uh, it's not that you're addicted to ca caffeine, but you're caffeine like dependent. dependent. Yeah. I realized I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, because that's essentially what it was. It's mm -hmm. a substitute for caffeine. Mm -hmm. And after I tried it, I went decaf for a month. Felt no different. So I realized that the caffeine, I'm too, mm -hmm. I'm really, the way I chalked it up to is I was just too young for the caffeine to affect me maybe than it does affect older people. I feel like it doesn't affect me either. Yeah. Like, but as soon as you get into I your like 40s and I like the flavor stuff, of coffee, I so I make a coffee every yeah. morning, but I'll go out of town and not drink it for five days and then and I don't be fine. feel anything. But some people get fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Like they get headaches. Some people just, feel that, yeah. yeah. Some people feel the need that they have to have a coffee like every yeah. morning. Yeah. I'm the same way. I could skip a yeah, coffee. Me too. For four days, I'd be fine. Yeah. Drink decaf and uh. that was fun, man. You're an interesting guy. Yeah, I am. I like talking to people like you because I feel like um, a lot of times when I go a little bit deeper on like mindset and stuff, a lot of people have no clue where I'm coming from. No, and they give you a half baked answer. And to some degree, you know, do you I mean? feel like, like that when you have conversations with? Fuck yeah, yeah. What like what's your? Like we haven't scratched the surface yet. Exactly. You know, what's what I mean? your response? Is it to be like overwhelmingly yourself and like go all in on like pushing your mindset on people, or is it just to be like, you know, whatever? This is not the time. I can't do this. I used to try to. I I don't want to say on purpose. I tried to push my ideals on other people. But then as I got older and more mature, I just became more curious. Mm -hmm. But like I said to you before, I'll push somebody to explain to me why they believe in something. Yeah. And I won't say it's, I won't give them my opinion on it. Like I won't say, oh, I disagree with that. I think that's fucking bullshit. I think you're an idiot. 
I'll just try to put them into a corner where they have to look within themselves to tell me the real answer. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if you believe in uh um you know, if you believe in uh Catholicism, I want you to fucking dig deep and I want you to really explain to me why it is you believe in that. And then I'll explain to you why I don't believe in it. And then I'll see how they react to it. Because most people, when I actually explain to them why I don't believe in it, they'll just, it's like deer in the headlights. It's totally cool. it's shut down. Yeah. And they're like, but they just, they, they've never heard yeah. a different way of thinking about it. Right. Like they'll look at religion and they'll be like, it's been something I've been taught my entire life, but they won't actually ask themselves why they believe in it. Mm-hmm. And then when they believe in the, the, the idea of religion, when they understand that all it is, is an idea and that there's other ideas that can achieve the same thing, they're mind blown. And it's fucking hilarious. I love it. Do you think, well, I express myself this way. I think the Christian church is one of the best businesses ever invented. hundred fucking percent. They own a fucking country. Yeah. But they, they actually haven't always been very successful. My brother just gave me a book called The uh, Pope's Banker. Phenomenal book. It describes the Vatican Church and through all its trials and tribulations and through, uh, not to, to recap the book too much, but through their history of what they did in World War II and who they were in bed with mm-hmm. and the certain things that they did. It's incredible. Incredible book. Even just like to convince <laughs> the majority of the world let's say not the majority, hundreds of millions of people once a week to show up at this building. There's a dude at the front, an yep. old white dude in most cases, wearing a hat. In wizard's robes. In wizard's robes. So you'll love this one. You go there for one hour and you just give them money. And then they tell you to sit, stand, <laughs> and when eat, drink. Yes. So you'll love this. So I don't remember exactly what year they came up with this. It was called the Pope's Penance. Essentially what it was was the more money you gave to the church, oh the more God. you could sin. And it was forgiven by God. So if I gave 5,000, that means I got 10 sins. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not fucking joking. <laughs> Did they have a ledger? I don't know. There's got to be a I doubt it. I, doubt I, it. I believe it was blockchain. And- <laughs> <laughs> so think about that. So you would walk in and be like, yeah, I cheated on my wife. I smacked my kids. I swore. Pope's like, okay, well, you know what? Give seven grand. We'll call it even. <laughs> think about that. And you had people lining up to pay this fucking penance. Fucking like, think about what business it is. Like, it's like, you know, Google saying, okay, look, 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 listen, listen. The more you pay me, you know, the better search results or whatever it is. Like, just think about what type of business model it is. Phenomenal. License to print money. It's insane. It's so crazy. Yeah. I went to the Vatican four years ago, maybe. It's just insanity. Yeah. The amount of people that go there daily. Did you did you feel weird? I felt like it was just a museum. Like it was just yeah. like a, a business that someone put this together and it's attracting yeah. millions of people a year. Well, I mean, religions exist because someone benefited from it, right? Totally. I mean, it's all Well, I mean, you got to think like the, the idea of religion is a fucking phenomenal thing, right? The idea that you can pass along stories and provide people hope is, you know, the, the idea of it is is remarkable. 
right? It does have a lot of benefits to you. It's when you abuse that power, right? It's when you've gained somebody's trust and then you start, as you're hugging them, reaching in their back pocket to steal their wallet. That's when it becomes bad, right? Is it losing interest? Oh, yeah, it is. A lot. I'm pretty sure most religions are. Yeah. I think, uh, I can't remember what the statistic is, but our generation has a significant amount of atheists. Significant amount. Just because of the internet. And now this, like, inspirational, motivational belief of a better life kind of bullshit that people feed is just so accessible. Like, what's the reason? I just think that they've been given the information to make their own decisions. Right? Yeah. You don't need someone up telling you every Sunday what to do, right? You just figure it out yourself. Like, like, and nothing against, like, Catholicism. I think, like, what they have to offer is a, is a wonderful guideline to life. It's a beautiful set of rules that can help you define or live a good life. But like I said, it's when you start to take advantage of other aspects of it that it gets dangerous. Hmm. It's like, I'm a very firm believer that you control, you can control every aspect of your life. If you reach within, you know, you can achieve anything you set your mind to, right? What I like is they're like, kind of overarching general rules of like treat people yeah, exactly. the way you want to be treated. It's a beautiful it's a I beautiful love it. it's a beautiful path. That's just the way that they get there with all the little tedious rules like you can't do this or else you're not a catholic. You can't do this. You can't like you can't uh can't have be active sins and come and receive communion. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, you can't divorce, you can't marry you, again. Yeah, you can't be divorced in the catholic church. Like you can't really? like uh two dudes can't get, can't yeah. get married. Like who gives a shit? I know. I know. Who cares if you like monkeys like, or it, dudes? It's, it's, or so, it's so hypocritical in the sense like okay, God loves every, supposedly loves everybody. Exactly. It's so contradictory. So yeah, you're going to, because I might bat for the other team, all of a sudden you're going to shun me? You're going to turn your back on me and say you don't love me? Mm -hmm. Right. What the fuck is that? And it's not your decision, right? You were born this way. Yeah. But even if you weren't, even if it was a conscious decision... You gave, he supposedly gave us free will to make our own decisions. Mm. So now all of a sudden I make a decision that you don't agree with and you shun me? Mm. What, like, what the fuck is that? You listen to Ben Shapiro? Uh, yeah, I know he is. Listen like super conservative, things. right? Yeah. Republican. He's an interesting guy to listen to because he, I don't know if I've heard someone better explain the mindset behind all of the conservative thoughts. He's pretty good at it, but it still doesn't make any fucking sense. Like as a rational human being that is fairly open-minded to the world, it just doesn't make any sense. Like he's like, his explanations on some things are just like, you're right, but that's the rule. I know. You just have to accept it. Yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. That. Like I, can't I, do I that. think Joe Rogan asked him about gay marriage Yeah, and he's like, one of my best friends is gay. I couldn't go to the wedding. He's still my best friend. Like I talked to him weekly. I talked to his husband weekly, like we're good friends. We have dinner parties, but I couldn't go to his wedding because I'm, he's Jewish, I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Because he's Jewish. That doesn't make any sense. Isn't the, like the overarching rule is treat people the way you want to be treated. Exactly. So if love, other, love everybody, you don't want people to judge you. Yeah. So why are you judging other people? Until someone benefits from it. Who's benefiting from that? And it changes from what, from the gay marriage thing. Yeah. All the people in the South. But like, see, this is what interests me is how are they benefiting? Yeah. To me, Bill Maher said a phenomenal thing when he talked about like all the West Coast of the United States 
are extremely progressive. And then all the states in the middle are like left behind. Right. So what do you do when you don't get invited to a party? You want to make sure that no one else has a good time. So you think it's like a tribalism (laughs) kind of thing? But you know what I mean? Like, so you got to think like these places, he's like, places don't have art museums. They don't have this up and coming Mm -hmm. type of atmosphere and they feel left out. But what do they do? They try to ruin it for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, I think it's the same way. It's like these people are exploring their own lives. They're willing to make decisions that go against the grain and instead of embracing them, we're trying to to push them into a corner, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they're because they feel left out that as if like, you know, my beliefs don't all of a sudden now conform to this new way of thinking. Right. So where do I fall in? Like, exactly. where's my place now? So instead of instead of getting on board, I'm gonna fuck it up for everybody else. Mm. Right. What a terrible thought. So process. destructive. Oh my god. But that's why our generation, and that's why I love our generation, is we have access to all this information, and we're all making our own decisions based upon the information that we can find, right? I know, obviously, with a lot of news outlets and stuff, we're dealing with a, a bombardment of false information. Or one-sided views. Yeah, but still, we have the ability to find exactly. real information. I think that's what's key about our generation, right? right. Once, once we gain in, get into power... Right. That's the thing. Back in the day, there was what a handful of rich white dudes that yep. controlled information. Right. Controlled what goes on NBC. There'll be like four whatever. channels on TV. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, can I ask you a question? Like, when you're when you're late in the later part of the years of your life after you've had a successful career, do you think you'll have the the feeling of needing to give back? To I already, like, I already do. No, I'm saying like in terms of like trying to change. Uh, politics or trying to change the way that uh, certain things are are run um good question i've never really thought that far ahead okay i don't know my gut feeling is yes and i think it's more just with my voice and opinion through something like this like a podcast platform am i going to be a lobbyist am i going to be someone who runs for office yeah i don't think so because i kind of grapple with the same the question of like do you just let it happen like do you not want to be a part of it because it's do you feel it's gone too far and just now you just fuck it i don't want to be a part of it or do you try to yeah i think for me i just want to know more information yeah which is a really cool thing about the podcast is just like hearing your perspective on religion hearing carl's like You just get to talk to different people. You about gain a whole new understanding of, mm-hmm. of how, because it's about the backgrounds. Like you came from a completely different background than I did, mm-hmm. right? Like my parents divorced and my mom would tell me that she can't go to church. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Growing up your entire life going to church. And now you tell me that you can't go to church. I'm like, I, I couldn't even fathom the idea. Like I was like, I don't understand. How, I, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and then, you know, that's what, started to lead me on this journey of like okay well let me start to question a lot of the other things i've been you know believed in my entire life right so it's it's funny you bring that up because when i told my parents about my divorce (laughs) my the first thing my dad says is you might be up for an annulment (laughs) do you know what that that means i do it basically like wipes away the marriage like it never happened Mm -hmm. i'm like (laughs) Why would I give a shit about that? Like, yeah, it's not going to wipe it out of my memory. Yeah. 
What, it's not like driver's gonna license now. Like, erase the rest of my life. You've been annulled. He's like, yeah, but then you get married in church again. I was like, I'm never fucking doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but see, like, I don't look at that as a, as a negative. I look at that as a phenomenal lesson in your life. Like you're not that you made a mistake, but you're going to, you're going to have so much more information going to the next relationship. hundred percent. That hopefully it's going to be 10 times better than what you had before. 100%. Right. You, you're going to now know. You're going to look back and be like, fuck, that was the best thing that ever happened in my life. I already say that. You know what I mean? You're going to be like, man, I couldn't even imagine being in that type of relationship now. Right. And that's why I'm such a firm believer of you need to grow in like as your own individual before you can ever get in a relationship. Like you need to know who you are in and out, like the back of your fucking hand. And so many people are afraid to have conversations with themselves about events or ideas that will help them grow mm. like i'll ask people like you know how do you feel about this or that oh i don't know they're afraid to even answer a fucking question mm. that will just push the boundaries of their thinking in lightest way possible right i love it that's basically why i started the podcast is i just want to be more conversational i want to but you're gonna more things. I want to go into deeper conversations with people. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna learn so much more about yourself, and you're gonna question so many more ideas that you that you had, and your way of thinking is gonna change dramatically, right? You're gonna pick up all these little timbits from everybody, and it's gonna shape your future. Hopefully, our audience can pick up some tidbits too. <laughs> okay, let's get out of here, Carl. I love you, Gio. That was a blast, man. Thanks for really having fun. me. I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. You're a fucking interesting guy. Thank you. Yes. I really like you. I like to say I live by my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so, I like. So, yeah. Yeah. Yo, Carl.